Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have our usual Harvard uh, business tips, a uh, couple of interesting ones that we've got there. We'll also be talking with Christina Sikiotis. She's got a couple of examples of how collaboration is working in businesses. But right now, we're going to pop over to the Hunter Mediation Services and have a chat with John Woodward. Good afternoon, John. Hello, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for joining us again. That's it's been, right. a, been a while since we spoke. It has. Uh, so today we're going to talk about business succession. What what exactly is business succession planning? All right, um, Julian. Well, look, it it really is um, what what can be regarded as um, the business equivalent of making a will. And in fact, um, part of it can simply be taking the time out to make sure that business owners have made <clears throat> a valid and effective will, but they they need to do that keeping their business interests in mind. I think I think most people these days accept that you you really do need to have a good will so um, so that they can determine you know who's going to get uh, the benefit from their estate and um, what some business people don't do though is to consider you know how they can pass on their business interest when they die or, or when they want to retire from the business. Okay, I think um, it's. I, th- I think a lot of people still don't have a will, although they know they should have one. But, but yeah. what sort of business interests do we need to keep in mind in this succession planning yeah. process? All right. Well, well, look. Um, uh, what what we need to consider is is just how we hold our interest in the business that we're running. You know, whether whether, for example, if we're a sole trader or a partnership or whether we're trading through maybe a family trust or we have some other kind of corporate structure in place through which we conduct um, the business. Now, the answers to those questions will determine what measures we need to take to put our business affairs in order. So, for example, if you're just a sole trader, um, you just need to make sure that um, your will is in place and you give some thought about what happens if you die suddenly. I mean, you know, because if you're a sole trader, then um, the the debts of the business become the debts of your estate. Mm. And uh, you need to then, you know, make provision for what's going to happen. Who's, is the business going to trade on or, or, or not? And, you know, just make some arrangements about that. If, uh, say, for example, um, you've got a company structure in place, then it's useful to have um, make sure that you've got you understand that the company is different from you, and if you die, the company doesn't die with you. Um, so that you need to make sure if you're a director, for example, that you've got a replacement director available, someone who, you know more ideally more than one director in the company, so that there's someone there to carry on the business. Um, recently, I, I had experience of um, uh, a a single shareholder, single director uh, company where the single director died and uh, and didn't leave a will and no provision for replacement directors. And it was a large company that employed about 60 people. So um, that um, creates all kinds of complications uh, for lawyers and um, it is it can bring the company to its knees it's, it's because it leaves leaves the company without management structure in place and uh, just, uh, you know, is, is uh, a recipe for chaos. So, so obviously in that case it would obviously go to the courts to decide 
Um, yes, but but it it's does, impo- yeah. important that the uh, the business keep on going. I mean, as you say, there's 60 or whatever employees. Uh, yeah. The business needs to keep going. It can't just suddenly stop, can it? What, what sort what, of thing does the court decide there? Well, really, in a case like that, what would have to happen is that is that somebody with an interest, a member of the family or someone um, who's, who's close, a, 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 perhaps a senior executive in that company, but somebody who's got sufficient interest in doing so has to go to the, the Supreme Court and make an application for um, what they call letters of administration, which is permission to administer the estate of the deceased person, which includes um, right in the, the company. Yeah. But it's a very that's a long and complex process, and you've mm. got, um, you know, you've got a lot of problems in the meantime. Uh, the employees have got to be paid this week. You've got existing contractual commitments or whatever uh, that need to be uh, maintained, and the business um, sort of ticking over while all this legal um, thing happens. Uh, and I've always taken the view that, that the best um, Remedy for these things is the cure. You know, mm. sorry, is, is, is the prevention is better than the cure. Mm. So, so um, rather than put um, yourself and lawyers and employees and um, you know the business itself in complete jeopardy, you're better off to um, just take a bit of time out of your life, out of your busy uh, life um, now, to make sure that those things are in order, so that we don't have to worry about them later on. So that's how we would um, avoid avoid those pitfalls, isn't it? Is to set structures in place. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you, you need to just make sure that things are. In, a lot of these things come down to a question, really, of good good governance, good corporate governance. So what you need to do then is to you ensure that the company's constitution has a mechanism for the appointment of a replacement director, or better still, have at least two directors in case one of them suddenly dies. Um, have interest in shares um, left under will mm. um, so, so that, um, you know, the, the person who want to benefit from your interest in the company benefits from it. And that mm. also helps you remind yourself that, that the, the company is different from you. What you, what you pass on to your family or, or loved ones um, is a shareholding in a company. It's, mm. not, it's not, you know, necessarily always the company. Um, and... Uh, Really, uh, I guess the take-home from all this is, is just taking care of business. It's good corporate governance. You know, you've got to get out your deed packet, have a look and see how you're placed. And if you're not satisfied that these are all these things are all in order, um, and uh, you, and that you you you're satisfied that you know what will happen, then you make an appointment today. You go and see your lawyer and get it sorted out. Mm. It's not it's not rocket science, Julian, but it's it's uh, just plain good business sense. As you say, it's uh, people know they need to do these things, but they just get caught up with the pressures yeah, of life. Busy. They don't. Too busy to do it. Uh, one it's of my favourite quotes, if we know what we know, know, why do we do what we do? That's right. That's right. Thanks very much for your time, yeah. John. We'll have a chat no, with you again well. another time. Good on you, Julian. Bye Thanks. now. Bye-bye. John Woodward there from Hunter Mediation Services. Some very important uh, advice there and uh, does happen. People do die and people don't necessarily have a will and then that does leave a mess. You're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. Time to have a little talk with Christina Sikiatis. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian, and we shall talk. We'll have a little talk with ourselves. We will. Yes, and we will. <laughs> 40,000 40, 40, other people out there. 
excellent. I love that. <laughs> so, so collaboration, which is, as you say, we talk amongst ourselves. That's collaboration is getting together and and pursuing um, some some tasks or business. So you've right, got a couple yeah. of couple of good examples of uh, collaboration recently. Yeah, I have. And and to to start it off, I'm, because the Hunter Innovation Festival is coming up, and I've been doing some work on that and some research on the backstory and everything. You know, I read back 2002 when the Australian Innovation Festival started. Collaboration was on the agenda then. Wow. Collaboration has just come out on the agenda again with the research that's come out from Hunter Research Foundation and Hunter Founders Forum. So. Here we go. There's some fantastic collaborations um, and unusual collaborations that are, that are happening, out, a little bit of outside the square um, type of thinking. So one of them that I was reading about this week was um, Tucker Bells regained their mojo with a partnership with Doritos. And that all started with an ideation session. They got some different people together. They wanted food to be an experience. Um, and we all know that everything at the moment is about the experience. What is it? What are we enjoying about something? So they got together, and what they they figured that the crunchiness and the taste and everything of the Doritos was really a, a, a perfect match with some of the fillings that were coming out of Taco Bell's. So they had a whole lot of interesting um, prototypes. They did about forty prototypes because they needed to make sure that the that tortilla wouldn't wouldn't um, crush when it mm. was packaged. Um, they needed to, to rank up the nacho flavour, etc. Um, but they ended up launching the Doritos, it's called a Doritos Locos Taco, um, in 50 restaurants in California and Toledo, Ohio. Uh, and, the, and the feedback was fantastic. So it was just a new food experience that came from a collaboration between almost two competitors, if you like. Yeah. Um, so that was that was one example. Uh, BuzzFeed, again, potentially... You could view the the people that they collaborated with as um, as as competition, um, but BuzzFeed. So for those people that don't know, is an internet media company operate out of um, New York City. But what they do is they provide shareable um, media, entertainment, documentary type content. So they've actually brought on board thirty plus outside platforms to distribute their content, which is fantastic because. In one way, you'd think that, that, that further distribu- distributors of their product were actually their competition, but in fact, they've collaborated and the word's getting out there much further. Mm. We, we might have a talk one week about uh, dealing, uh, collaborating with competitors because there's always that barrier, I find. A lot of people view their, their competition as, uh, you know, we've got to keep away from them, don't tell them anything. But uh, we are seeing more and more of this collaboration between competitors, aren't we? We are, and, and it's people pooling resources. Because they're such a global market now, people aren't worried about um, holding on to smaller geographical niche markets. They're mm. going, okay, well, if we actually collaborate with people and we spread the word out further, it's good for everyone. Of course, so if we... Oh, the other one I wanted to tell you about, um, and I'm not sure that we did mention it maybe 12 months ago, uh, but when I, I walked into, um, into a coffee shop, desperate for a coffee, uh, in Boston... And I've been greeted at the door by some um, bank executives who said to me, if you take our user experience test and if you help us figure out some of the things with our, um, with our website, we'll buy you the coffee that you've come in for. Now, I, I didn't need any encouragement. I didn't need them to buy me a coffee to help anyone out with user experience because I love doing that. Uh, but it was an interesting collaboration that he was a bank inside a coffee shop doing their UX with people who were the most likely to go and use their new website. So I thought mm. that was a really interesting twist on a collaboration as well. Have you got a couple of tips on helping us uh, with collaboration? I do. So, 
first tip is at the next networking function that you're at, make it useful. Make it really useful networking session. And when you meet somebody new, find out what business they're in. And then in your own head, imagine what kind of collaborations, what kind of projects you could come up with that were mutually beneficial. If you come up with something that you think is a, is a zinger, and some, you know how you get that, oh, mm. yeah, that might really work, um, act on it. Invite them to a meeting, invite them for a coffee. So you never know when when a really unusual collaboration may come about. And it doesn't mean that it has to be for profit, you know. It doesn't mean that everybody mm. has to go away and make money out of it. It might be something that's mutually beneficial. So I guess that's the second tip. Make sure it's mutually beneficial. See if you're sharing a target market. How does this whole situation become a win-win? Because for people to collaborate, there has to be a mutual benefit. Everybody has to have a great um, a great feeling at the end of it. Um, and, of course, tell the story. So if you're going to do a collaboration, tell the story. Use it on your social media. Use it on your website. But get out there and tell the story. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time again, Christina. And uh, next week you've got a breakfast on Thursday. So we're going to talk to uh, yourself and maybe one of the guests there. Yeah, I think we'll talk to Roger Langston from Planet Innovation. Okay, sounds great. Okay. Talk to you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a great week. Bye. Christina Sikiat is there with some interesting thoughts on collaboration. And let's have a look at a Harvard Business Review tip, a couple of them. The first one's the best bosses follow these five rules. Amazing bosses try to make work meaningful and enjoyable for employees. They're most successful when they adhere to a few best practices. First one, manage individuals, not just teams. When you're under pressure, you can convict, you can forget that employees have varying interests, abilities, goals and styles of learning. But it's important to understand what makes each person tick so that you can customise your interactions with them. Secondly, go big on meaning. Inspire people with a vision, set challenging goals and articulate a clear purpose. Don't rely on incentives like bonuses, stock options or raises. Thirdly, focus on feedback. Using regular, at least weekly, one-on-one conversations for coaching. Make the feedback clear, honest and constructive. Fourthly, don't just talk, listen. Pose problems and challenges and then ask questions to enlist the entire team in generating solutions. And finally, be consistent. Be open to new ideas in your management style, vision, expectations and feedback. If, you, if, you, if change becomes necessary, acknowledge it quickly. It's in, from an interesting little book there from the Harvard Business Review. And one other point, make steady progress on your goals. It can be tempting to rely on deadline-induced adrenaline rushes to reach major work milestones. But how can you make productivity more habitual and sustainable? The first step is to understand that being productive means optimising your entire life. A well-designed personal life supports your efforts at work and vice versa. For example, instead of eating alone at your desk, meet a colleague for lunch. Eating together will benefit both of your professional and personal lives. Next, when planning your to-do list, try to match the task to the amount of focus needed. Schedule your most challenging work for when your energy levels are highest. Use short bursts of time well by having a list of micro-goals you can accomplish in your spare minutes throughout the week such as booking that flight or writing the recommendation letter. 
By leveraging even short amounts of time, you can make steady progress on your most important goals. So a couple of interesting points there, isn't there? Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at the importance of business succession and particularly having a will there if you're running a business. Uh, In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. And next week, we'll have another minute on innovation and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Pythagoras once said, the oldest, shortest words, yes and no, are those that require the most thought.